Hello, welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. My name is Justin. Guys, you know this. <laughs> you know this, on? man. What's up? How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing very well. Very well. All right, man. I, 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 uh, I got to say, uh, happy Thanksgiving, belatedly, to both of you. Happy Thanksgiving to yes. you. Thank and, you all around. And to all of our other uh, our listeners, to all of our listeners within the, the confines of the United States of America. Uh, otherwise, they didn't celebrate that. No. Yeah, no they think all. we're crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, you know, politics aside, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to, to be here. I'm grateful to everybody checking out the podcast. You know, it's a beautiful thing, man. How, how, was, how was your weekend, Tom? Uh, let's see. I, for, for the Thanksgiving thing, I went down to Florida. It's weird being in a tropical climate huh. um, during the holidays like yeah. that. Yeah. So I was in the in a pool on Thanksgiving. Wow. Good time. Uh, hung out with a bunch of Brazilian people. Uh, I was really at a loss. Any members of Lymphatic Phlegm there? No. Unfortunately okay. not. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we, you know, it was a good time. Me and Gab were down there. We were with her family. Um, True that. I did my best with the conversation. Shout to them. Moit the bomb. And that's about it. Justin, what'd you do? Yeah, I did the. Uh, I was in a pool, pretty the same, but of gravy over here. And, um, <laughs> I love it. You know, spent the day carving turkeys. Nice. Uh, you know, slowly working on this bathroom. Jesus, bathroom. Well, I told you, I have your phone number. I'll let you know. I'll let you know when it's done. When you I was trying over. to. Th- I was trying to take this Thanksgiving dump there. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Keep but going, uh, you know, it was nice. Nice break from work. As I'm sure a lot of people experienced as well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, everybody got a chance like me. Just work on your riffs. Mm-hmm. And uh, watch some TV, you know. Been up on Watchmen, loving it. Is that a television show? Television show based off of the uh, the old comic books uh, character, classic comic book. Yeah. yeah, I was a big fan of the movie that came out several years back. Yeah, great I movie. Haven't seen this new show though. It's no. all modern day out and stuff. Very nice. Okay. Very good. Fair stuff. enough. Fair enough, man. Uh, yeah. Watching it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, so you were you were working on your riffs. I I didn't have a guitar in my hand. I had a rake in my hand for like three days straight. Man. Slightly more strings. You see the way I'm holding this bottle of water like an old man. <laughs> like if my hand is like all snaggled, man. Yeah, I, I did a whole eighteen bags of leaves. Wow. From, from uh, my parents' house. Yeah, I cleaned it up for the man. Cleaned up the yard real nice and good. Uh, did a little bit of uh, the old research for the podcast. Listen to some heavy metal. Hung out with my nephew and the rest of the family, but my nephew's the, the most important person at this stage in the game. Of course. Yeah. Um, that, that was it, man. It was a beautiful weekend, man. I, as I said, I was very grateful, man. I was grateful to be in my bands. I was grateful to uh, have this podcast with you guys. Grateful for the listeners, all the supporters, man. Grateful all around. One more thing I'm grateful about. Um, uh, I had my first uh, my first little sit-in, man. I'm going to be sitting in. Doing a little, little of the old fill-in session work. Not joining any new bands or anything like that, but I'm doing a little filling in for Pyrexia. Very uh, nice. On a tour coming up. I'm not going to say anything else. I don't want to blow up any spots. Uh, but I, you know, I am going to do a little bit of the old fill-in action on on a, maybe one date, maybe more. Who knows, man? We'll see what happens. I'm not going to tell you where it is or anything. But uh, so that was fun. I, I met up with the dudes. Uh, and last weekend, just finishing up, man. Um, the weekend before Thanksgiving, we went out. That top secret band we got with some of the Buckshot guys uh, and an and a alleged afterbirth member other than myself and an alleged mysterious Long Island musician. Shout to the homie Tom Anderer. He said something along um, for the holidays. And uh, I want to bestow it upon upon you guys for the podcast here. This is from Tom Anderer. What is that? Man? This is Devil's Reef Cinnamon Spiced Rum. Ooh. Yeah, rum with natural flavors and artificial colors. So... 
Yeah, and the color, I can't help you, but the flavors are natural. Bottled uh, by K Street Spirits, Rochester, New York. How do you like that? There you go. Yeah, so that's... Same state. I just pop, I, To the listeners, I just literally I pulled it out the bag on these guys. They didn't even... Look at this. They didn't know I was bringing gifts. You know I love to drink. Chris, Christmas came early, man, yeah. It's a dark rum, man. Mm-hmm. 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 That's good, because it does complement the, uh, the season, too. Like, we're talking about the... Thanksgiving. You want the spices. You want dark stuff. You know. You know like, yeah, yeah. You know, tequila season's mm-hmm. over. You yeah, know, no. I, it's, it's, we're gearing up for chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I uh, personally, I put my tree up and I sprinkle a little cinnamon up on top of the tree just <laughs> oh. to let. It, and then I, I put a fan right next to it too, so it just blows all around the house. It's festive. I can't wait. I think you Santa. better you better get an exhaust <laughs> fan in that bathroom. This guy's fucking around with the cinnamon on the tree, and I'm over here trying to use the bathroom. You'll man, be, finish the bathroom up. You'll be the first to know. All right, listen, but. <laughs> So speaking of chestnuts uh, roasting on an open fire, our guest tonight uh, was formerly the singer of Clinging to the Trees of a Forest Fire. Today, uh, probably a little bit better known currently as the frontman of Primitive Man, um, did a stint in the band Withered, uh, also known such projects as Vermin Womb, Death of Self, uh, and a couple others that we're going to get into. Our guest is Ethan Lee McCarthy, and um, full disclosure, we're not going to, you know, wrap it up and post for you guys and touch it up and and shine it up we did this interview a few days ago Mm -hmm. yeah we got a crazy time schedule on the heavy hole we get it in for you guys wherever we can we interviewed Ethan Lee McCarthy he was nice enough to give us his time on the phone several days ago uh, before the Thanksgiving holiday and here we are wrapping it up for you guys so we're going to take you back uh, a few days to when we talked to Ethan Hey, Ethan. Yeah. This is Tom from the Heavy Hole. How are you, man? All right. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for uh, letting us call you up. Over here, I got uh, Will, my co-host. Hi, Ethan. Nice to meet you, man. Thank you for your time. Hey, man. You too. Nice to meet you. And this is Justin over here. Hey, bud. How's it going on a Sunday? Good. Good. How you doing? Yeah, we're doing well, man. So I guess we'll get right into it. All right. So, um, yeah, Ethan. Uh, you know, I know you've been in touch with kind of with Tom um, up to this point. He's the member of our team that reached out to you. Uh, this is Will speaking. So um, I know there was a little bit of back and forth with the scheduling, and you got a lot going on right now that that we want to talk about. So just thank you very much for your time and for making the effort uh, to speak with us today. I, I know I appreciate I appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do, man. Oh uh, yeah, man. I, I appreciate the interest. Thanks for caring. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, and like I, you know, on, on that note of what I just said, man, we do want to be respectful of your time. So uh, we, we're probably just going to uh, get right into it, like we normally do, and try to uh, ask you some questions about your background and how you um, how you got to this point, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Uh, do you mean just the bands that I was in before, or just uh, whole- no? Well, yeah, we we go all the back, all the way back, like uh, like the FBI, man. We we just wanted to ask you, um, like, where you're originally from, and and growing up, and and uh, and like what uh, what effect that might have played on on the man you've become, the musician you've become. Okay, all right. Well, I was born and raised in Colorado, in Denver. Um, I uh, started on the hardcore shows. I was like 12 years old. I had a older brother named Keith who uh, got me into all this heavy shit when I was super young. I was like listening to Slayer when I was probably in like kindergarten just because <laughs> of him. That's awesome. 
so I, you know, so I've been into heavy music my whole life. Um, and started going to shows with my brother when I was real young. You know, I was like a big 12 year old, so he felt like it was like okay for me to <laughs> for me to go with him. And I would just like go watch him playing his bands and and that kind of thing. And then you know, I wanted to play the guitar because I emulated my older brother. And so I've been playing guitar since I was like eight years old and going to shows with us well, like I said. And I don't know, but I just kind of started forming my own bands and I, I started playing with like a lot of older guys when I was about 16 like guys who were like you know 25 26 at the time um so I've been playing in bars and like live music scenarios you know since I was 16 since before you were allowed um, to get in yeah but I, I've always just been like big for my age so I never really got any shit <laughs> right. uh, and, 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 and Denver was different back then it was more the wild west you know it wasn't like like it is now uh, it, we were a flyover state for sure yeah, um, yeah it's gotten so, a lot more attention in the last several years yeah so you know <laughs> it's like you could get away with more shit back then mm -hmm. you know which is why I was getting into these bars and doing that whole thing so I'm fortunate for that I'm fortunate that, I, that it was like that back then so I could really cut my teeth on it you know at such a young age uh, and I don't know man it's just been touring since I was you know, in my early 20s and like 21 was my one of my first like actual big boy long six week tour, and uh, that's it. That's where I come from. Oh yeah, man. And I mean, before we get too far ahead, you talked about um, your older brother and jamming with some guys that were a little bit older than you uh, when you were a teenager. Is there was there any musicians that we might be familiar, any bands we might be familiar with that that came out of that scene, or any of those guys were involved in? Uh, no man, all those guys are like in jail or dead or like. <laughs> wow, well, no. I'm sorry to hear that, man. But uh, I'm I'm sure the ones that are still around are proud of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's real. Like most of those guys are seriously like in jail, dead, or like on on death. And, like it was <laughs> it was a, a rough crowd of dudes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, not not really very many of them followed through with music, and if they did, it wasn't heavy mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. You know. What uh, do, yeah. do, you, do you feel like that affected you and and your approach to music or or, or like you know like because I mean at a young age uh, be, being around like uh, like kind of a, a crowd that was like that uh, and jamming with people like that did you kind of like learn lessons and, and learn things from that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I learned a lot of things, but I think that I really started to learn how it goes when I you know started going on tour and doing it that way because mm -hmm. a lot of these guys have just done the like playing in a bar the same bars like every week and just fucking making all sorts of bad mistakes but I was young and wanted to party and 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 figure out how to do it so I mean I, I think that the most experience is really when I started going on tour it was like I learned what not to do the most in doing that shit and was that with uh, clinging to the trees of a forest fire or was that with the earlier yeah, yeah I was with that band Okay, and uh, that was that was. Two, correct me if I'm wrong. 2006 when that band began. Um. Well, we started in 2004, and we probably didn't put out a record until 2006. Okay, but I mean that was like your first, like quote unquote, like real active band, right? Yeah, yeah. 
What, so, like, what was what were some of those early tour experiences uh, like? Because you guys did gain um, quite a following. You signed to Prosthetic Records for the second full length, but before that, you guys were slugging it out on the road and just trying to get heard like any like, like anybody else. I'm sure, right? Yeah, I mean, they're fucking terrible tours. <laughs> Shit sucks. <laughs> uh, like the the whole time. I mean, even up until we called it quits, that band never really had an easy time. Yeah, on the road. Did you uh, um? Did you do all the bookings for those tours yourself? Yeah, I did. The the MySpace era of getting around. Um. So the first tour that we did was actually booked through emails and phone calls and all this kind of shit. And then after that, MySpace kind of blew up, and then we just started doing it on there. I think it was significantly easier. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Keep it all centralized. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you meet people. You know, you have a, more of an opportunity to meet people and shit that you wouldn't have met otherwise. You know, the internet changed all that stuff. Yeah, I'll, I mean, let's talk about that because when when you first got into this stuff and you were in a young age, um, it was before the internet. It was like kind of like the late nineties, I take it. Yeah, well, so yeah, definitely. I mean, the internet thing didn't even really start for me until I was like, you know, a grown man or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't even have the money for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I like started a, a MySpace account at work, yeah, and then because yeah. I, I I worked at like a record store, so actually those first tours were all booked from the work computer because I didn't have internet access at my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I so, remember yeah. people that would go to the library, things like that, or, or wherever. Man, I, I get it, man. Um, yeah. Uh, so. But I mean now, because that's the thing is, is when we talk to people, especially people that have been around a while, we talk about the comparison between the old days when you would have to trade tapes in the mail and go to record stores, and now it's just all right there. Like when I was doing the research for this interview, all of your music is right there, Bandcamp, YouTube, and all that sort of thing. Man, it's crazy now. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, man, it's a trip. I mean, I, I know dudes who are older than me who didn't have the luxury. I mean, they did like all sorts of fucking tours through letters and tape trading and all this kind of shit. Yeah. You know, so I like, I mean, yeah, I definitely have much respect for those people, but I, I'm a little bit too young to have done that for very long. You know. Yeah, of course, man. Of course, it's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. Facebook and Instagram have kind of filled that void where MySpace. Like, everybody's booking shows on that, and if you don't have Facebook, it's kind of hard to hear about shows where I am sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I promote shows in Denver too, so it's like the the Facebook and all that stuff is like a, a necessary evil that I hate. Yeah, yeah, of that course. You, that you have to, yeah, you have to have uh, these days for sure. And you know, and, and the thing is, is like. The internet has made it easier, but a lot of times I found that, you know, you like will meet bands and do a show for them in your town, and then they won't return the favor. So you just like end up meeting a lot of people who don't do shit anyway. Like it's made it easier, but it, there's still a significant amount of difficulty when booking a tour, especially as like a young DIY band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and something I find is that it's become very saturated. There's so many bands, there's so much going on. It's hard to even stick out. You know, nowadays you're you just it's. I hate to use the word competition, but there is a lot of competition as a band just to get support and get heard, you know? Absolutely. There's all sorts of fucking loops to jump through, and it's really about who you know these days, it seems. Yeah. The only thing is that I've I've stuck in it, like, you know, all those first clinging tours, and I was in this other grindcore band called Death Itself, and, like, all this shit, and all those tours were super fucking bad, and nobody cared. And I just stuck with it and have been around long enough to where I kind of know a lot of people now. But before, I mean, it was dismal as hell. 
<laughs> yeah, and something I heard you express in another interview was that um, uh, in some previous bands before Primitive Man, members couldn't tour. You know, and we all like some some people have a career, family, whatever the case is. But uh, Primitive Man um, was was able to tour more than other bands you were in. Yeah, just because the guys that I played with have jobs that have made it easier for them to leave and go on the road. And they work in like a bar or yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, but the people that I've played with historically have had like, like I played with a guy who was in the military for a long time. And so it was just really difficult for him to like set aside time to go on the road because he had army shit to do. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I've been in old bands with all types of busy people, man. It's, it's tough. Yeah. It, the the reason I ask though is what what is because I mean you say you, you played um clinging to the trees of a forest fire and um uh, other bands you've been and played these tours that were uh, less than ideal uh, and like what was it that had you like you're you're the one guy out of those bands that stuck through it and is you know is now in a band that tours a lot and like what was the thing that that made you not give up and and keep sticking to it and keep doing bands and until something had to give. I don't know, man. I guess I'm just a stubborn asshole. <laughs> like, I just won't. I just, you know, I just won't stop. It's like what I like to do the most, even though it comes with a significant amount of heartbreak sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just, it's just, it's like the one activity in life that I prefer to do over anything else. Mm -hmm. So I just can't give that up. I've seen friends give it up get disillusioned by this shit and hang it up and then you know like a year or two goes by and they're like ready to do it right over again so I just have never felt like I should quit like after clinging broke up I took a, a year off sort of I was like doing noise stuff and, and other things by myself and then you know Primitive Man started as like a fun project so I was still not really like leaning into it is hard and then I just realized that I have to because it's all I like yeah no I, I feel you man I, I definitely I can relate to some of the things you've said man um, you know it's just I think it's a combination of being stubborn it's the only thing I like to do I got all sorts of fucking problems I want to scream about and there's just like no better way to, to channel that shit you know yeah. it's like I would just implode if I didn't have that you know I think that's a large part of it too. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, man. I, I, I can, like I said, I can relate to some of the things you're talking about, man. It's that, it's that real to you, man. And you can't give, give something up that's part of you like that. Um, uh -oh. Well, I've just been doing it since I was a kid. It's like, what, yeah. what else would I do? Yeah. You know, like this is all I, all I know. <laughs> you know, like, like I've had jobs and shit or whatever, but I didn't graduate college. Like, you know, this is, it's what I got. Damn, it's like dude, we're on similar life plans. Uh, this <laughs> this is crazy. I, I'm also a pretty big guy, and I used to be in bands with grown dudes when I was like 15 too, and getting to venues, man. That's why that's why I had to say that's crazy, man. And I I, I can relate to a lot of things you're talking about, man. Um, speaking about uh screaming about your your feelings and shit like that. Uh, can I just talk about your your vocal style for a moment? Um, I I. I can't really compare your vocals to anyone else. They're like the most angry, uh, insane kind of vocal I've heard in a long time. Um, is there something you, I, I don't know, is there like an ad advice you would give to someone who is trying to do this? Like you seem so well grounded in, in screaming. Um, so 
my my path to becoming a singer is weird. I, I didn't want to do it. I started doing it because no one else in the band I was in would. And when I started singing, I, I was trying to sound like Jeff Walker from uh, Carcass. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that that's fucking hard and was ruining my voice. And I just need to yell how I sound. And for a long time, I was like really hung up on not sounding like other people or like as good as other singers that I liked. And then I just, one day I was just like, you know, fuck it. This is just how I sound. This is just how the shit is going to be. No one else is going to do it. This is just how it is. And then I've just like kind of grown into my own style. I mean, that's not to say that there aren't vocalists that I love and have taken influence from, but it really was just a thing of like, well, I mean, I'm not going to sound like anyone. So I'm just going to try to make how I sound as uh, heavy as possible. Yeah, it works, man. It really works very well. Very, very rabid, feral kind of sound, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, um, and some something you mentioned before was booking shows. Uh, and and before we get too far ahead in your your kind of like timeline, man, didn't you uh, book in two thousand six at a place called Kingdom of Doom? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I used to live there. So that place was called Monkey Mania before that. Yeah, and you, you kind of took over booking and it became Kingdom of Doom to reflect like the type of music you were bringing in? Yeah, because I was mostly doing metal and, and you know, a lot of doom shit. What, what was, I mean, maybe if you could just talk to us a little bit about that time period. Like, what were some of the bands that you were bringing in and were you filling like a void in your area for that type of music live? I mean, yeah, man. I mean, I feel like at the time that we were bringing a bunch of shit here, because, you know, I, had a, I used to have to beg bands. Like, I'd be like, please come to Denver. It's not as lame as you think. <laughs> I know we're surrounded. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, I know we're surrounded by fucking terrible places, but just come here. It's like a, a oasis of a good time. And, you know, so we got bands like like Indian. That's where I met those dudes. Uh, they came through. Uh, they were touring on that record. Uh, came in on Seventh Rule. It has the monkey on it, on the cover. I can't, I can't think of what it's called. But they were touring on that record. This is like before Will Lindsay was in the band and shit. We had uh, Zoraster came through there. Fuck. So many good bands. None Slaughter is what got that place shut down. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, Wait, how did, so how did None Slaughter uh, result in that place getting shut down somehow? Oh, uh, dude, dude. Well, so that, I mean, obviously, like the cops have been casing us for uh, probably well over a year. Uh, with all the shows we had there and there was like 300 people just packed into this fucking warehouse man and it was like about to start and then they just sent in probably like 40 or 50 riot cops oh, and just broke up the show and put me in handcuffs and all this shit a bunch of us went to jail Reed from Speed Wolf uh, was through like like put together the event at the warehouse so Reed got hemmed up with the law too and shit it was crazy man Damn. Yeah, so, you know, we were really taking risks doing this shit. But again, this is also during the era when, you know, in Denver, you could get away with more. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a crazier place. Wow. Because so. I'm surprised. Because uh, when you mentioned Nunslaughter in that show, I uh, I had read um, some of our research online that it had something to do with the Democratic National Convention. Oh, yeah. You know what? I forgot about that. So the DNC was coming in the next week. Okay. And so they were cleaning up the city. They were like, giving homeless people one-way bus tickets out of town and shit. 
oh, wow. just really trying to make wow. Denver like really nice. I mean, and this is before legalized weed and, and everything, you know, so this yeah, is not yeah. horrible. Yeah, so yeah, I forgot about that part. You reminded me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, it was just in the, in the notes here. Wow, man, crazy. And uh, yeah. uh, so with Nunslaughter, too, that was, was that while Jim Kanye was still alive and playing in the band? Yeah, this was a, a pretty long time ago, man. This is like, I'm going to say like 2007 or 8. Yeah, like around 10 or more years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you? I mean, I don't know if you were in touch with that guy or or, uh, or knew him at all, man. He very like eclectic personality, a lot of projects, um, and very revered in his in his home state of Ohio in the scene. Um, you know, man, I didn't know him very well at all. The only time I ever met him was during that show, and he was yeah. understandably distraught because their show that they flew out with was getting fucking busted up by a bunch of cops. Yeah, of course, not so, not ideal circumstances. You know, I mean, no, I just just had to um just had to shout him out. Rest in peace to him, and, and of course, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, no, I mean, I know he touched a lot of people's lives. Like, I, I you know, I didn't know him, but when he did die, I had a lot of sympathy for that shit, just because I know so many people that have good stories about him. So that that is definitely a, a loss for the musical community, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. And um, we're maybe at the podcast we'll reach out to some people from Nunslaughter and get a proper uh, discussion on that one day, man. But um, but um, you yeah, know. I'd be curious to see what those guys had to say about uh, about that weekend because they ended up moving the show to this place called the Junkyard uh, that doesn't do shows anymore, but it's actually a junkyard. It was cool. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, at least now I know uh, something to ask them, man. If we ever get them on the show, it's great. Um, <laughs> but but. You know, moving forward, man. Uh, you know, looking into looking into your uh, your career a little bit uh, in, in music. Um, it seems like. It, would I be wrong to assume that Primitive Man uh, and and also you joined Withered in 2013, right? Uh huh. Yeah. That does that. So does that kind of coincide with clinging to the trees of a forest fire um, disbanding? Um. Yeah. Clinging broke up. I, so. Primitive Man started kind of right before Clinging broke up, but we weren't doing shit. Yeah. So, you know, like, and then the Withered thing, yeah, I I, I joined. I, like, filled in on a tour for them. They, they uh, toured with Goat Whore and Three Inches of Blood, and then I did a record with them, and then I kind of got real busy with Primitive Man, and then I had to quit Withered. But yeah. They're still my friend. They're still my homies. It's just that, you know, Atlanta is very far. <laughs> yeah, obviously very far, man, and and you know there's always those decisions you have to make sometimes when the when the road forks in life, uh, so to speak. You know. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I just the primitive man thing really wasn't supposed to be a serious band, but it just kind of <laughs> here you are. Away. <laughs> yeah. So so that one record that you did uh, record with them, the Grief Relic record, uh, Withered's Grief Relic uh, album, which came out on Season of Mist Records. Uh, Colin Marston played bass on that record. Was that just like a session thing, or, or was he playing in the band at that time? Did you jam with him? I uh, know. So, you know, I uh, actually didn't even meet Colin until Primitive Man did some shows with Prowlet. Wow. Uh, I think <laughs> two years ago. Okay. So we're all on that, all on that record. But That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's cool to be on a record. That guy's a, a fantastic musician, you know, uh, be on a record with him, but... Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's kind of funny, man. I I suspected it might be that way though, because Colin does a lot of session work, and he's that type of guy where he could just you know do do it on his own time, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he had worked out with with Mike. Uh, 
in terms of whether or not he was supposed to be in the band permanently or not. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. for that for that record, you know. Okay, man. Um, but with uh, you know, getting back to the, the idea of primitive man uh, picking up speed, and you have to focus on that. I know you guys did uh, a primitive man Magruder grind six week European tour in 2016, right? Yeah, man. What I mean, I want to talk about that, but would you say like overall that that might have played a role in like like were you still in Withered and then you came home from that tour and left Withered or like what, what did did that like ramp up Primitive Man in some way? Well, uh, let me think. I think that Magruder Nine were the first band to ever take us on tour, mm-hmm. um, and so we did that. And then we did two weeks with the Weekend Nachos in Southeast Asia and Japan, like immediately after that tour. So I was gone for two fucking months, and you know, got home and Withered wanted to do stuff, and I was very overwhelmed and obviously didn't have a lot of money from all that touring and uh yeah i think that that definitely had a lot to do with it and then we had like a, a primitive man had like a tour with dragged into sunlight after that that was four or five weeks i think wow like immediately after this shit like three weeks later after we got home so yeah man i was just like there's no fucking way i could ever i, I can't commit to anything for Wither this year, I remember really being stressed out about that because uh, Mike from Wither is a, is a great friend of mine. We've known each other for years, and I like was stoked to be in the band, but also kind of freaking out because I didn't know how I was going to be able to do all this shit. You know? Yeah, yeah, man. I, I I've left bands on uh, on handshakes before, man. You know, sometimes you just you know, the logistics just aren't working, man. Yeah, man. Well, I'm fucking band is a killer. It was like hard to leave, but it's just like, well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, dude, and and uh, also, you know, just taking note of well, be- before we move on, man, could, I mean, because that's pretty crazy. You go to Europe for six weeks, and then you said you went to Southeast Asia for like a, for like another two weeks, right, right after that. So, so yes, yeah, so we were in Japan for a week, and then Southeast Asia for a week. Those weekend nachos dudes uh, brought us with them for that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, like, was that was that your first time in Europe? No, I went with Catheter in 2010. I played bass right. for them and went right, over there. Yeah, awesome yeah. band, Catheter. Yeah, man. So that was a fun band to play in, too. So what's, I mean, going over there, I assume touring with a band like Magruder Grind, you guys are playing like more of that, like like the hardcore punk side of grindcore type of sh- type of shows. Is that how it is in Europe? Is that how you describe the scene? Uh, um, well, yeah, when we went on tour with them, it was definitely people who were like, what the fuck is this doom shit? <laughs> when we when we would open up the tour, you know, it was uh, not always the best reception, but it was still cool. Like we, there are people that, that that come to see us now who learned about us on that tour. Were, were you ever in Southeast Asia or Japan before that? Uh, no, that was the first time. That must have been a trip. Yeah, man, it was fucking crazy. Japan is a magical place. Southeast Asia is also very cool, but it is, it, I mean, it is fucking, it's, it's a crazy place, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's compli- there's things that are very complicated and, and tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of things, like you can't, like you get put to death for smoking weed there and shit. Wow. Like, and, 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 I, and you're in Denver. And I did. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm from here. <laughs> you know, before they legalized weed and like the marijuana culture, it was big. I mean, we've all been smoking weed since shit. Some of us is like we were like ten years old. Wow, talk about <laughs> culture shock. <laughs> like, like people, you know, we've been smoking weed around here forever. So yeah, to go to a place like that where they kill you 
for smoking a dude was pretty pretty scary and even scarier when a guy offered me a joint. Wow, dude. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man. That was something. And just like when we, I think it was uh, Manila, when we got into Manila, we like packed into this like super fucking cramped car and drove through a traffic jam like I've never even fucking seen. And there's like people in cardboard huts but with like televisions in them. And that's what they live in. Wow. You know, I'd never, I'd never seen that, like, I mean, there's, like, poverty here in Denver, but I just had never seen some shit like this. I, I don't know, man. It, it really, like, put a lot in perspective for us. It was a, a really interesting experience. Uh, yeah, I'm so sure. I, sure. Wow. Like, I, I want to go, go back there and play, like, for sure. It's just, you know, it's expensive. Yeah, what's, I mean, what's it like to play shows over there? What is the scene like over, over there, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a country um, like that? Well, so there's not a lot of doom. When we were over there, everyone everyone that cared about us and came to see us was like, there's no doom here, like, no doom scene at all. There's a lot of punk and a lot of hardcore and grindcore, you know. So the shows were with Wormrot, Weekend Nachos, and this band called Tools of Trade. And uh, so, yeah, all grindcore, all fucking blasty freaks, like, every show. <laughs> with with like the, the like five or six people who are like sympathetically coming up to like up to us like sorry there's no doom here but we like you <laughs> so it was you know it was cool it was like I want to go back there and make doom happen or something yeah, like more really... bands need to go there you know and like expose people to this shit yeah wow that's awesome man it sounds uh really like a, a, a life changing kind of experience man eye opening experience. Oh yeah, definitely. And I also scored three corrupted records there, so I was also very sick. <laughs> excellent, excellent, yeah. excellent, man. Uh, so uh, the the next year in 2017, um, you guys, Primitive Man, toured with Bellwitch across the U.S., right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I, I I was in uh, I'm in Artificial Brain, and we were on a tour with Cattle Decapitation. Uh, full of hell and revocation, I, I, I believe that year. And we like we even there would be like like you guys were, were there the day before, the day after us at certain venues. And I believe it was Club Red in Arizona. We were playing the same night uh, in different rooms. Ah, oh, god, that's fucked up. Well, I, I think Artificial Brain is sick. I didn't know you were in that band. So that's awesome. Oh. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I sound different on the record. <laughs> nah, dude, that's cool. I, I have no idea your band is super cool, but uh, I uh, yeah, I remember that happening, and I remember being like, oh man, Artificial Brain works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was great because we could kind of like creep back and forth and, and sneak a peek at you guys and Bellwitch, you know, from our, it was, it was cool, it was a great night, man. Yeah, man, it's cool. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so Bellwitch are, are great dudes, great dudes to tour with. We've done, we toured Japan with them uh, this year, actually. Okay, so, so you just went back to Japan? Yeah, yeah, this, just this, this year, uh, 2019, we went over there um, and did a tour with Bellwitch and we hit Australia and New Zealand at the same time. Wow, man. So, uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot there's a lot right there. Going back to Japan, did you find that you guys had like um, built built a following from the first time? Did you get that sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because the first time we went there was with Weekend Nachos, and people were fucking bummed. And we were playing <laughs> with like mostly hardcore bands too, like beat down, tough guy ass shit. Yeah. And so you know, we we would get up there, and people were. Super fucking depressed. But when we went back on our own, it was cool because the shows were catered to us. There were noise bands and people were there. I mean, almost all of them were were packed. It was 
fucking awesome. And this is after Caustic came out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I right. mean, Caustic has been out for two years now or something. So, you know, we hadn't been there since that was put out. Right, like, exactly. When so. we went over there the first time, we, I think Home is Where the Hatred is, had been out for like a year. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, it's been some time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the Caustic album, I'm sure, did really well for uh, the touring thing, you know? Because uh, that, that album went over really well. It's a great album, and uh, I'm sure that got a lot of people to come check you guys out live, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think more people cared after we put that record out than any other record we've put out, you know? Yeah, man. What? And, and I'm sure the um, you know the, you got people like us bothering you to, to do interviews and things like that. Oh shit! It doesn't bother me at all. I appreciate it because it's like I've been in bands where no one has asked you for shit. That's the thing is I, I know what it's like to be busting your ass in a band and get no love at all. So I like never take this shit for granted. Like I, I appreciate anybody that reaches out to us, man. Like I really do. Awesome, man. Yeah, great attitude, man. You gotta stay humble, man. And actually, actually that kind of that kind of gives me a, a good segue because you have a project. Uh, I didn't want to gloss over your other projects that maybe aren't as um, big as Primitive Man. Uh, you have a project called Many Blessings. Yeah, yeah. So like some drone and kind of noise, soundscape type shit. Yeah, in 2015 you put out Rotten Leather. That's that's the name of the release, right? And that was your first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What? So, um, I mean, that's 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 a one man project. You do that all yourself, right? Yep. So, I mean, obviously that that's uh, it's it's kind of like um. Uh, a recording project on the side, but do you pl- do you perform live ever as many blessings? Yeah, I do live shows often. Um, here at home, I did a show in Japan. I did a show at Bloodshed Fest in the Netherlands. So I'll do wow. stuff when the opportunity comes up. But <clears throat> and I'm doing Roadburn next year. Awesome, um, man. cool, cool. Yeah. So when when stuff comes up, I'll definitely do it uh, for sure. It has to be the right thing, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, when people talk about um, kind of like drone and atmospheric uh, music like that, noise, uh, it, it's, it can be a little bit vague. Like, would you maybe talk about your, your gear or your, your setup or your process a little bit? Yeah, so it depends on the scenario. If I don't have the time or the room to set up a bunch of amps, I won't. If I can, I like to set up six 412s and run. I have like... Do like 23 pedals set up, and then I'll run various instruments through the pedals, through the stacks. But if I can't do the shit with the amps, I'll just run into like a, a loud PA, you know? Yeah, yeah, wow. And, and, um, but I like to use the amps if I can. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a, it's a different effect. Yeah. And, and, uh, and while we're talking gear. Um, you're, you're in a lot of different projects. I mean, could you just maybe um, give us like a little bit of a gear breakdown for, for Primitive Man, like what you're working with lately? Uh, yeah, so for Primitive Man, I have two Worshipper 412s. I have two Orange 412s, a Dean Costello 200-watt heavy, heavy Metal Warfare amp, uh, an Orange Thunderbird 200, and then, you know, mostly Earthquaker devices for pedals. Um, I have like, yeah, mostly them. It's a lot of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then, uh, and and I use amp distortion. I don't, uh, I don't have like a, a a fucking distortion pedal or a fuzz or anything. Okay. Okay. And then, and 
And then uh, for I play in a like a grindcore band called Vermin Womb. I'm, and, uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because I didn't get to bring it up. I'm, oh yeah, I'm a big fan of Vermin Womb. Oh wow, man! So with that, it's just two worshiper four twelves, a Dean Stello one hundred watt amp, and a Mesa dual rectifier Roadster for the other head. Um, and then for many blessings, it is like a ton of shit, like uh. Like, Ormus Electronics made me, like, a... I don't even know what you would call it. It's just, like, a noisemaker that looks like the Hellraiser puzzle box. <laughs> That's great. Um, and, you know, I use, like, a tel- like a rotary telephone. Contact mics, like, guitar. And then, you know, like I said, like, 20-some-odd different effects. I have, like, a, a rolly synth pad that I'll use for that. Um... And I think that's everything. Wow, man, big big lab, experimental with a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's because I don't throw anything away. I just like keep all the shit that I acquire throughout the years. Yeah, and just fucking hold on to it. I was mostly with pedals, amps and shit. I sell and like try to trade up because it would be impossible otherwise. But pedals and shit is, you know, the, the way I've gotten away with it is like kind of fucking hoarding everything. Never know so. when you're gonna need something. I mean, absolutely, man. I busted some shit out the other day that I was like, I never thought I'd need this again. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Uh, I have this, uh, it's a grease tone delay pedal, um, and it's not great if you're just trying to play guitar through it, but it's really good for noise. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of repurposing stuff, uh, you know, from music to noise. Yeah, pretty much anything that hasn't worked for Primitive Man, I've just put on the noise board. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, uh, and real, real quick, um, I know this is going back a little bit, but... Uh, if just in case anyone's interested, there are a lot of people who were big fans of that Withered record, uh, Grief Relic. Um, is there any special gear uh, setup that you had for that album? Um, I used the Mesa Roadster and two uh, Marshall 1960, uh, you know, A and a B cad for uh, that recording. Okay, man. Yeah, because I'm I'm a vocalist here. I don't play an instrument, but I'm in a room with two guitarists, and I know that, that there's people that want to know about that stuff, man, and, and know and know a lot more specifics about that than I do, man. So we appreciate you talking about that. Yeah, um, and to be to clarify, I only did like some leads and some noise shit on that. Mike played all the fucking guitar on that, and then I did vocals. Oh, okay, all right, man. So that's that's the other thing, yeah. So and for just in case anyone cares, uh, Mike uses the uh, 5150s and. I'm pretty sure Marshall Caps. Solid choice. I just feel like, you know, as as a simple man with a 212, you know, and uh, like with Ampeg head, you know, mm. them fucking up. Kind of just need more bots, more <laughs> yeah. speakers. Um, it, you know? Well, yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what you're trying to do. So I, I have this Mesa 212 that has the fucking thickest sound in the world. But I just have no place to really use it. So I've used it for many blessings before or whatever, but I'm afraid of, of fucking it up. So I just kind of have it to the side. But man, like a 212 has a punch that you just can't get out of a 412. You know? Yeah. So, it, so I don't know. It depends on what you're doing. Yeah, I just feel like uh, you know, you're just looking at somebody with like, a brand new car. You, know? you, you just... And you got your, you got your, be- you your beater. You just flexed on Justin it. a lot. He's trying, to, he's, he's trying to deal with that. Uh, uh, like, oh, oh shit, man, no. Split up that tone over like 10 four twelves. That's a fucking good idea. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 Ampeg, what Ampeg head do you have? I'm just curious. Tom, Tom was there because I, I bought uh, it off to, 
It's uh, the the old. Uh, it's like a '92 VL 1002. Um, oh, I don't know shit. I don't know shit about that. Yeah, it was before Mackie bought them and made them only make okay. base products. So like this was used. Uh, I bought it because uh, Gallagher from Dying Fetus. Uh, he had the uh, solid state version of this for Destroy the Opposition, and I found the two oh, version. Right. Yeah, in a in a uh, guitar shop near me, and I was like, well, you know, it is Christmas time. <laughs> It's just, fun. it's just fun. Yeah, it's a great. Oh, yeah. It's a. Uh, it, it was designed by Lee Jackson, the guy who made the JCM eight hundred. So it's like, oh, okay, 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 it's like that on crack. Oh man, that sounds heavy. Yeah, it's cool. You just can't make them anymore. You know, they they don't, don't make parts make anymore, and uh, so you gotta be careful. Yeah, hopefully, it doesn't break. Oh man, that's a fucking nightmare. I had like a Sound City amp that I like, just super fucking old that I could never find parts for and shit. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, it's it's just one of those things. You're living on the edge all the time using analog gear. You know what? I've, I've had people try to talk me into not using tube amps, and I just can't. I shudder at the thought of not doing it. But there's, a <laughs> band, there's, there's this thing called Northless, and the guitar player, Eric, has like the most crushing tone in all of fucking doom metal. And this dude is using a solid-state amp now. Ooh. So it's made me made me consider, but I don't I know. I probably won't. If I keep <laughs> fucking with this tube shit. Keep it real, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. The uh, yeah, I you know again, I'm not a guitarist, but I know the guys in Artificial Brain are big tube guys too, man. So I I, uh, I stick with my pack, man. You know, I stick with my crew. So um, I don't bring up gear. I'll just ramble on for fucking hours about. No, dude, that's <laughs> we, <laughs> there's, there's there's people people that want to know, man, and um. And while I mean, while we're talking about gear and um, and your your uh, your different uh, like noise and atmospheric type of things that you do, there was something that came up that I I, I wanted to bring up in the research that kind of surprised me. In two thousand eight, you did some sort of a, a work some sort of work on the album Western Skyride by the band Across Tundras. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it does not sound psyched that I knew that. No, no, um, <laughs> no, I am I am psyched because. That's the first recording I ever uh, recorded noise on that wasn't my own stuff. Okay, man. Okay. Uh, I mean, just a really uh, interesting band that I am familiar with. I just did. I, I didn't um, see that foresee that connection that that you had something to do with them because they're a band. They have a lot of interesting instrumentation, and I would assume that they experiment with gear a lot too, right? Um, you know, man, I, I've lost touch with Tanner uh, over the years. Okay. He okay. Used, used to live in Denver, but then he. I think he moved to Nashville or something. Yeah, they relocated um, as a band, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm not really sure what he does now, but back in the in the day when uh, when I recorded on that and all the musicians were involved, it was like a, a, a time I looked back at very fondly. So. Yeah, man, just get, getting involved in things. That's cool, man. That's cool. Man. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I, f- I found it interesting. Um, but also something yeah, around that time period that, um, may, you know, maybe you, you have a little bit more to talk about is your band Death of Self released uh, mm-hmm. in 2008 the No Relief EP and in 2009 the Time and Money uh, EP, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, real, a really good band, man. I, I really enjoyed that stuff. It's kind of just like very very straightforward grindcore with kind of a death metal influence, in, in my opinion, my perception of it. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. really not to be overlooked by our listeners if you want to go back and check some stuff out. Uh, maybe if you're more into the fast-tempoed grindcore type of stuff, man. What was that band like, man? Uh, do you want to talk about that experience a little bit? Oh, uh, yeah, man, I don't know, it was just, like, two dudes I was good friends with, and just doing it for fun at first, did a couple of tours, 
you know, self-released everything. No label ever was interested. I mean, it was, it was DIY as it gets, you know, playing only houses, basements, shit. And it's on Bandcamp uh, now for people who want to check it out. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. That, that uh, was also a good time. You know, uh, the bass player had a couple of kids. He had, like, stepped down to the family, and I don't really want to do the band without him. And the drummer plays in a band called Weaponizer, and he also plays in Necrofilth. Okay, wow. Now. All right. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so, uh, yeah. No, again, speaking to that point of, uh, you, you know, you having been in bands in the past that, that couldn't do all the stuff you wanted to do, and, you know, you stuck through it until you found a crew that, that was, uh, that, you know, that was ready to ride the way you wanted to, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah, man, I'm really fortunate to, to have these dudes doing this shit with me. Like, they're great band members and fun to write music with, and it's, it's cool, man. Like, we have made it happen together, and I am surprised sometimes when I think about it. <laughs> That's that's awesome. I mean, and and you guys, um, you got something cool coming up. Uh, you're about to embark on a tour. You're 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 uh, supporting part of this tour, alternating with uh, Full of Hell, who's supporting the other part of it, right? With Cattle Decapitation, Atheist, and Author Punisher. Yeah, man, I'm excited about that. Like when I was in Clinging, Cattle Decapitation was like our fucking number one band. We wanted to tour it so fucking bad. So uh, <laughs> awesome. it, it's funny to do it with my dude band. You know, so I'm stoked. I'm stoked to do that. It'll be cool. Yeah, man. What a uh, what a billing. What a crazy. Uh, you know, three three bands that I I wouldn't necessarily picture together. But what a great night. Uh, I can't wait to go see that man. That's great. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's a kind of a, a strange mixed bill, but I like everything that's playing. Yeah, like, I like I would go to that shit. Hell you know, yeah. like it's like the full of hell shows or whatever. Like I would I would go to that shit for sure. I love Author and Punisher. So yeah, really interesting project. Really interesting guy. Yeah. Dude is a fucking mechanic genius. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, yeah, we were watching a video of that a few days ago, man. It's really hard to comprehend. Yeah, holy shit. Whenever I do my solo stuff, I always think about him, and I'm like, what? What I'm doing is trash. That's like the <laughs> only way to do it. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't yeah. patent the new machine to, to make a song. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, and 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 I mean, speaking of full of hell, uh, you guys aren't going to be on the same dates as them on this tour. But you recently did tour, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the United Kingdom with them, right? Uh, so we did the U.S. the U.S. with them back in May and June, and then we're going over and doing U.K. and mainland with them next March and April. Yeah, and they they're a little bit, I guess I guess maybe darker and maybe more uh, doom adjacent than Magruder Grind. Like like I, I feel like they tap into that same power violence grindcore type of scene. But um, maybe with a little bit more uh, lenience for death metal and doom elements, right? Yeah, absolutely. Plus, they have the whole noise element too. Yeah, they get some crossover yeah. there. So, yeah, I, I uh, us touring together works really well. It's awesome. Yeah, nice guys, full of hell, man. I, I like all those guys, man. Shit, yeah, man. I met those. That's speaking of back in the day. So, Queen was on a tour. I met those kids when they were like fourteen years old. <laughs> like some of them, and they and they were playing. And of the same basement as us in Cleveland, Ohio, and I remember being like, "Look at these little motherfuckers!" And <laughs> and, uh, and they were super sick, and we like traded a seven inch and all this shit. And then now, all these years later, you know, they're all fucking grown ass men. And we done some tours together. It's amazing. Wow, they were. Like, I'll never forget meeting them. They were so young, dude. When we met them, they were so young. They were full of hell back then. 
Hell yeah. Okay, okay, because a lot of other, I know they've been in other bands and stuff. Wow, man, that's awesome, dude. And now here you guys yeah, are man. doing big tours together. Yeah, I mean, fucking Dave Bland wasn't even 16 back then. I'm pretty sure Dylan was like, like shit, two of them were driving or something. Yeah, I, I mean, I met those guys two or three years ago, and I still think of them as kids because I'm old, you know, obviously. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Well, that that's great, man. Yeah, I mean, we wish you a lot of luck on that tour, man. Um, well, well deserved. Uh, come up in, in in the game, man. You you've been working hard for several years now and all these different projects, man. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, dude. And uh, you know, again, like I said in the beginning, we're going to be um, respectful of your time. I don't uh, I don't know if Tom mentioned to you. We usually ask people to recommend one newer release and one older release uh, by any artist um, that, that you just love, man, just for the listeners because we do recommend a lot of music on the podcast and we always want to ask the guests to recommend something, so just anything fairly new and anything fairly old by anybody it doesn't even have to be extreme music No, I mean, you know, my, my stock answer like if anyone was like, recommend me something I'd be like, okay, check out El Mundo Frio from Corrupted, that's the record You know oh, what wow. I mean? Could we? Uh, I don't uh, think we've ever talked about Corrupted on the podcast yet. Would you mind just talking about that record and that band for one minute? I mean, Corrupted is like the heaviest, most emotional band on the fucking planet, and no one will ever out heavy or out like no one will ever beat that band. That is the fucking band. The last, I mean, the last four things they put out make any doom band look stupid. <laughs> and that's Corrupted. They're from Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah, El Mundo Frio is probably my favorite. It's like one song that's just an hour long. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, for people that maybe uh, have discovered Primitive Man um, th through, like, maybe they were fans of Magruder Grind, Full of Hell, the faster bands, and Primitive Man is is like a doom is like one of their first doom bands they've heard. Corrupted is an excellent band to, to look into as well, and you could like branch off into a lot of other shit from there. Yeah, I mean that's my you know all time favorite. Uh, Doom band for sure. I, so I'd say you know that, or like. So yeah, there's an old one, but <laughs> it, or Black One by Sun. I also think is like a cool record to get people into looser forms of music. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, and then for a newer release, oh, I mean that fucking new Lingwood Nota is super solid and dark and fucked up. What is that? Um, Lingua Ignota. Have you heard of that shit? L-I-N-G-U-A-I-G-N-O-T-A. Yeah, so check it out. And But make sure that you like set aside time to actually absorb it. It's like not the kind of thing you can put on while you're cleaning your house or something. It's like, <laughs> you know, you have to have to really uh, get into it. Yeah, it's not, um, not like Motorhead, huh? It's not, not, not quick and easy. Right? <laughs> no, not, not at all. Um, and then also, I love rap. So the new Maxo Cream is the rap album of the year. Or... Anything Freddie Gibbs has done this year. Also. Wow. Wow. Maxo, Maxo yeah. Cream and Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs is the best. Yeah. Okay, okay man. All right. I, you know, man, I'm I'm way uh, 90s and I'm way East Coast with, with hip-hop, man. But I, I, I'm trying to, like, get out of my box a little bit, man, you know? I mean, yeah, man. I, I, yeah, I like a lot, of, a lot of shit from all over the place. I don't know, but I, I think I'm more of, like, a Southern mm -hmm. rap dude. But I can, I can get down with just about anything as long as it's good. Well, this day and age, it's a lot like extreme music. The the um, geography doesn't matter as much because you got people influenced by by anything anywhere. You know what I mean? Like regional styles are kind of, I feel like, fading away, and people are just doing whatever they want to be influenced by. You know? 
I mean, absolutely, like ASAP mobs from New York, but all their shit sounds like it's from the South. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of, man, totally. And then you have a lot of artists from other places sounding like a little bit more. They're bringing back that 90s New York vibe in other locales and stuff, you know? Yeah, which which I could get with. And I've actually, I've always been a fan of The Roots. It's like one of the first concerts I've ever seen. Wow. And I've been seeing, like, Black Thought... uh, uh, appearing on like a lot of younger rapper stuff and then kind of having that old style of like not necessarily boom bap but kind of old yeah, the, school feel and it, I like yeah, that people call it backpack people call it underground people, you know every you know, you know I, we know what you're talking about man yeah definitely man yeah, I mean you know like I love most deaf and shit grew up on that shit so you know anything, anything like that I like yeah, man. What I mean, I don't want to start a whole new podcast right now, quickly. But like you said, you saw the roots. Did you go to a lot of other hip hop shows coming up? Uh, yeah, man, I did anything that I could see. You know, anything I could get into or whatever. If I had the money back then, it was hard for me to afford shows. But I've actually seen the roots like four times. Wow, that's sick, uh, man. Yeah, I haven't been to a whole lot of hip hop shows because I've been doing this underground extreme music thing. And that takes like te- that takes. Pro- I've seen DJ Premier once, and that was really great um, to see him live spinning records and stuff, man. But other than that, I yeah. haven't been to a lot of classic hip hop shows, man. Yeah, man, I always miss stuff because I'm on the road or whatever. Freddie Gibbs is coming through when I'm gone. Currency always comes through when I'm gone. Three Six Mafia, I will be here for, <laughs> and I'm probably gonna go to that. Wow, the uh, the band Revocation actually, those guys, huge Three Six Mafia fans. Yeah. Okay. Surprised right. there hasn't right. been a collaboration yet. They they you turn- want, Do you want to hear a real Oscar winner? Yeah. You know, three six mafia <laughs> Oscar. <laughs> yeah, it's right. <laughs> they got an Oscar, man. Forget about that. I'm so happy for that. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you never know, man. Anybody could get an Oscar. You just gotta be right place, right time. Man. Who knows, man? And they did that sick Mark Henry track. Yeah, yeah, Mark Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I, all right, so I don't want to. Uh, yeah, again, man. We could start if we start talking hip hop. We could go on a whole tangent, man. But um, Ethan, we really appreciate your time. We appreciate you talking with us, and I'm sure the listeners do too, man. Uh, and we're going to take heed of your suggestions. And is there just anything else that you want to say to um, to your fans and to our listeners uh, uh, before uh, the, we wrap this up? Oh, uh, you know, man. Just thanks for caring. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Anything I do that anybody is interested in, I, I appreciate their interest. You know, so thanks for calling and all that. Yeah, of of course, man. And um, just for the listeners again, uh, you can catch Primitive Man on select dates of this upcoming tour with Cattle Decapitation, Atheist, and uh, Author Punisher. And um, they, all you gotta do is Google Ethan Lee, Lee McCarthy. This guy's got a, a whole discography of music: um, Primitive Man, uh, uh, Withered, Vermin Womb. Many blessings, death of self, man. So people have a lot to get into there, man. Thank you, Ethan, and we wish you the best on the upcoming tour, brother. We'll talk to you in the future. Yeah, man, definitely. I hope I, I get uh, artificial brain here soon. Let me know if you hit up Denver, all right? Uh, yeah, trust me, it's in our sights, all right? I'll leave, allegedly, I'll leave it at that. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we, we can't talk much, man. But yeah, Den, uh, any state where the laws lean a certain way are definitely on our... Um, <laughs> Our, de- def- definitely on our agenda, man. Especially, especially Colorado, man. We we love you guys out there, man. All right, well, I'll definitely come through. Let me know. Awesome, man. Have a good have a good day, brother. Thank you for talking to us. All right, y'all. Take care. Thanks, man. Peace, Ethan.
right, man. Wow, that was awesome talking to Ethan Lee McCarthy of uh, Primitive Man and several other bands and projects, as he told us all about, man. Interesting guy. Busy guy. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. G- gets around the scene a lot, man. So, I mean, listeners, you got a lot of music to get into now. I hope you had your notebooks out during that interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, speaking of music to get into... Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. Keep the notebooks open. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you got, who's got something new? You got something new? What's up? Yeah, man. We are, we are ready to go with recommendations. We are... We are loaded. <laughs> I had a, loaded. I had a whole uh, <clears throat> vacation to listen to my stuff over and over again. And I, I had a lonely Monday night last week as we were on vacation from the podcast. And I, I was actually giving recommendations to my cat and my dog. <laughs> I had my cat and my dog. And I was like, you guys ever hear Cannibal Corpse? You know, it's, I was starting them off slow with the death metal, you know? Right, right. You, you yeah, guys yeah. are good. I just did this five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Justin, you got two new ones tonight, right? Allegedly. That's Yeah, I allegedly have two old ones, so it's, it's going to offset each other. It's going to be great. What stinks in here? Tom, I'll tell you. We it's- have uh, Cemeterian from Houston, Texas. Okay. Their absolutely disgusting three-song demo just put out, um, Tomb of Morbid Stench. I'm glad um, that's what it was. I was about to kick the dog out. Yeah, no. It's okay, dog. You need all the help we can get here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, this demo is is apps is powerful, man. Uh, and this band has been together less than a year. Um, put it together in, in Houston, Texas. Got this thing going on. A uh, little bit, um, I'm gonna say, like tread in the metal of death territory, mm, according mm. to me. All right. Uh, influenced by Will. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. That's, I hear. I love I'm, this. I hear what's going on. Um, these vocals, man. They're they're. They are just dark, powerful, burly, uh, giant footsteps, uh, large arms, ripped t-shirts, like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little bit of this like finished spice thrown in over here. Uh, I think this is a band that we're going to be watching out in 2020. Um, as if they, you know, if this is their first impression, I'm I'm interested, and y'all should be interested too. Cemeterian out of Houston, Texas. Wow, those vocals, man. Yeah, the vocals are doing it for me, man. Yeah. Vocals and the guitar tone definitely set an atmosphere. Good package. Tonight I have brought in um, something real weird, very weird. This band called Japanese Kampferspiel. Mm. Mm. I think I've seen this name around, but you got me on this, man. These guys have been around since '98. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. now discovering them. Wow. Um, super interesting cyber grind. This is um, this is like a industrial informed cephalic carnage kind of thing happening here. It's uh, it's got some folk influences too. It's it's like a grind on acid. Mm. Um, this came out September 6, 2019. It's a self-release. They're not on a label right now. I don't know why not. The album is called Verk Forever. Um, mixed and mastered wonderfully by Raymond Smith of White Room Studios. Really blown out kind of sound. 
similar to like the way a gore grind album's mixed, but it doesn't play like a gore grind album. Yeah, it's very thick. Yeah, it's like that roto tom sound thing uh-huh. happening. There's there's multiple percussion layers. They're they're not just relying on the uh, not just the drummer. It's it's a lot of other stuff. The production thing. It kind of almost reminds me in a way of a milder. What was the release we did? Oh, the um the drum core animosity. Oh, kind sure, of yeah. sound the way drum corps took those three songs and made them sound super amped up this is kind of mixed like that mm-hmm. I love that cephalic carnage reference too because it, it's they're just doing whatever the fuck they want like whatever they like whatever they're feeling right that thing and it's unique to them mm-hmm. yeah I haven't so really like, there's like a vocal similarity too like you can chart a line in for it aren't we this week for my second new album kakathansi kakothansi k-a-k-o-thansi check the check the description please uh their new record distomorph uh this band's from switzerland that's why i can't read uh released november 19th 2019 this is the band's first lp brilliant brutal technical death metal in the vein of defeated sanity with a little extra technicality and experimentation thrown in. Brutal, relentless assault, as you will, as you have to, this is the way. Um, like I said, there's a little, like, I want to feel like an extra jazzy kind of thought uh, to the to like the grooves, like especially when they start to slam. Um, this band started as a four-piece, it's a three-piece now. Guitar player does vocals. Wow. Check them out. Um, I don't like when they do that, man. It makes me nervous. It's risky. It makes, me, make, makes me feel like I could get kicked out of any of my bands right now if one of these guys <laughs> decides to multitask a little bit. You know what I mean? One of these guitarists decides to get behind a mic. I'm out of a job. All right. Same like me. I, as a, I cannot, I can't move my mouth and play at the same time. It's just it's something. It's Good. Let's start. Let's start a band. Yeah. Man. <laughs> That's what you call job security. Check this shit out. Kakothansi, Kakothansi, Kakothansi. Uh, yeah, for fans of Defeated Sanity, obviously, Devourment, fucking get in there. Uh, the drummer plays a Cenotaph now, mm. uh, as, oh, of, as of the past year. The Turkish uh, Cenotaph, Cenotaph, C- 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 Yeah, Cenotaph. Okay. And they have a, there's a Mexican one, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I, for all I know, there could be others, you know, yeah. who knows. But yeah, the Cenotaph, it would make mm-hmm. a lot of sense that... They linked up. Yeah, I actually I chopped up that tur- that turkey listening to this record today, and, okay. uh, or uh, on Thanksgiving the other day, mm-hmm. and um, you should have seen how I shingled them slices, man, perfectly. Nice. You know, this is this is how I like my technical death metal. Yeah. This is this is where I like the pocket to sit. You know, like that defeated sanity malignancy kind of like you know. Yep. It's yeah. not about the it's not about the shred. It's about like. Like how are we gonna introduce grooves over and over again? Like they're not stupid, but they're also mm-hmm. not showing off. Yes, you know what I mean. Come on, it's tech for the groove. Feed, yeah. You know, feeding the groove, slip into that weird shit. And the drums are like recorded very well, but they don't sound sterile. They sound natural. 
what, yeah, what do you guys. got here for the old one? <laughs> they, this this is as bad as old it gets. We're gonna go. <laughs> no, it's just a sample. This is uh, Gorbeyond Necropsy from uh, Japan with their album. Uh, let's see, it was 1998. Oh my God, that they came out with this full length album, Noise a Go Go, on Relapse Records. Um, just a, a, a bombastic, uh, noisy original grindcore band. Um, Dating back to 89, they put out their first demo, uh, self-titled Gorbion Necropsy, in 91, and were very prolific at putting out demos, EPs, uh, splits, all sorts of things. Put out about a dozen uh, releases before this full-length on Relapse Records. The next year, they put out their second uh, full-length, uh, again on Relapse Records, which was Go Filth Go, and stopped putting out full-length records. So they have like this, that like it's all splits and EPs except for these two full-lengths in 98 and 99 on Relapse. I guess they was like their experimentation and that was too big for them. Are they still playing? Are they active? Uh, they actually changed their name to the, uh, was it, uh, Noise of Go-Go's in 2005 and apparently are still active. I haven't followed them so much, uh, you know, in that territory. This is actually a band that was huge to me in the 90s um, when I was coming of age getting into all this stuff Adam Rotella again to reference Adam gave me the Repultrid Mangle tape which was a side project some of these guys did that sounded very similar and um, you'll, you'll, you'll see if you listen to them it's like this fuzzed out noisy brutal kind of gore grind sound that they have um, really hard to categorize band it's just one of those bands that's uh they have the sound and and thing all to themselves the artwork even uh you know back in the day everything was like really original and you could tell it was gorbion necropsy man such a fun band uh they're sad you know they, they varied their sound on a couple of uh releases they experimented with the harsh noise stuff and you can hear that there's like a track of no a layer of noise in these songs mm -hmm. um this is just really cool raw shit man this is how i like my grindcore we got a couple of requests on the social media on facebook for more grindcore being covered uh so that's both of my releases tonight are like some of the most classic grindcore i could think of that really got me into it uh, in the mid to late 90s when I was coming of age as a teenager, you know what I mean? So obviously there's stuff that predates this, but this Gorbion Necropsy album was uh, big to me. And it was at a period in the late 90s where Relapse was putting out some really... Uh, it was kind of like they were having a renaissance of the really cool underground shit, man, um, and, and digging deep. And uh, I never expected this band to be in Tower Records of all places, but I bought this album in Tower Records when it came out, man, because this is one of those bands that you just expected to be like grimy tape trader, you know, Charlie Infection distribution, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, I used to order tapes from Japan from some of these uh, labels and stuff, man. But to, to be able to get this band in Tower Records was amazing, man. Just brutal, uh, bombastic, guttural noise assault, man. I love this band so much. It's one of those things where it's kind of like... Uh, uh, I don't know, man. A lot, a lot of Japanese bands, you could—they just have such originality and identity to what they do. I, you know, I don't know what um, what it is, man. But this is one band. They just took noise core and gore grind and made it their own. And they go back to '89, so you could really put them there with that. Uh, you know, maybe you know, obviously Napalm Death was before them and a couple of those bands, but they were right there with that first wave. They were onto a lot of that, you know. Yeah, that's still being around for a while. Yeah, '89 is definitely like you know being there for grindcore when when there wasn't a lot going on for grindcore, man. You know, anyway, a lot commercially and a lot that was readily available. So, uh, Gorbion Necropsy, uh, Noise a Go Go, just um, a brilliant, brutal, noisy grindcore album. Some elements of humor with these kind of funny samples that they pick here and there, like you heard at the beginning. But uh, when it comes to the songs, man, this is just like some freak-out mutant gore grind from outer space, man. Check it out.
So, Will, a few weeks ago, you brought in, uh, when we had Adam Rotella here, uh, you brought in uh, Slayer. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I was thinking about things that I liked when I was growing up and before I got into death metal, and System of a Down came to mind. Okay. So, I want to bring in their first release. Okay. Um, this right. shit is great. Yes. Wow. I still stand by System of a Down through all the gore grind and uh, other uh, shit that I listen to. Great band. Um, I I have a lot of respect for System of a Down, and I always felt that they were somewhat unfairly lumped in with the Limp Biscuits of the world and that sort of thing. I have yes, I have felt that way for a long time. They're not a new metal band. They're really not. No, very, not. I would very, accept it. I don't accept that. Yeah, very eccentric band, especially with uh, what's the guy Surge Tanker? Is that Surge, yeah, Surge yeah, Tanker? Tank, or yeah, yeah, Tankin, yeah, Tankin or something. Yeah, uh, a very eccentric vocalist, and I feel like his personality kind of dominated the way the band was perceived a lot and the aesthetic of the band because otherwise they're kind of just like they're almost like a technical metalcore band you know I mean their their first this is their first full length actually Rick Rubin also produced this one um, this came out in 1998 two years before uh, Toxicity their really big album came out I thought that was a great album too I saw, I actually believe believe it or not I saw them they were open they, they were they were playing with somebody at Jones Beach and I kind of like was with a Oh, the the down show. Yes, I yeah, was yeah. There. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there with a group of. Uh, I was there with my cousin and a group of his friends. I think for his birthday or something, man. And uh, uh, I was like, I I never given System of Down a ch- like really a chance because I was like teenage. Will I was super metal of death. Right. You know what I mean. So like, but then I saw it. I was like, I gotta give it up, man. I put on a good show. The worst song on this album is Sugar. Um, that's the the hit. This oh, the, is what they put out. This was on MTV. Yeah. That was the the fun, you know. Uh, that was a look wake up. Da, 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 that was Chop Suey. Yeah, yeah. oh, okay, that's I, the I next don't know. Record. From the I, next record. I, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, it's okay. We're here to, you know. I actually knew that. I just slipped that in for street cred. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what song that was. So yeah, Sugar. If, if you're familiar with this era of System of a Down and you're not really into them, you've heard the song Sugar. That's the uh, the Kabucha Mushroom People. It's the it's the silly one. Every other song in this album has its silly points, but these songs drive. There's hardcore elements. The writing is it's influenced by their Armenian heritage, and mm-hmm. it's not at all pulling back from that. Nope. It's great. The It's simple, but it's interesting songwriting all the way around. It's very hard to put my finger on what makes this band so magical in one sentence. It's this perfect slush of awesome ideas, politically driven, angry shit. Like, I don't really know all their politics and everything like that, but this is how you do a political band, you know? The the cool thing about System of Down is the bounce. It's it's a constant bounce, and that's why, like, even though I, I don't categorize them as a new metal band, you know, I'm also not going to die in that hill, but but they had found a home, gr- like, growing and getting as popular as they did in that, like, new metal scene because a lot of those bands incorporated the same bounce in their music. And without right. it, they probably wouldn't be so popular because... It, how, where, where are you going to put this band? You know? True. There's like no, there's no, like, I guess you could, you could really put them on anything, but. Kind of like right time, right place. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They kind of just were, were the, like one of the crown jewels or, or to give that, that genre um, legitimacy in any sort of way. Yeah, yeah, I would put System of a Down right up there with like, like it, like, like. If we want to, talk, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about redeeming new metal bands. I mean, but I'm I mean, sold. I'm into I, it. 
Like, obviously, look, I'm not going to sit here and knock Slipknot. I mean, masks and music is one thing we could debate, but I'm not going to knock their legacy and their music or whatever, man. I'm not a huge fan myself, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and disrespect it or, or speak uh, irreverent about it. System of a Down, cool band, man. Other, I'm trying to think. Are they, I mean, Deftones get lumped in with all that. They kind of started out with, with Korn in that first generation yeah, I think new Korn metal. Yeah, but is technically the first new metal band. Mm -hmm. but. But, and, like, Deftones was there. They were kind of like the cooler, more underground new metal band when everyone got, got onto Korn. But like Deftones transcended new metal. I, I, th I think yeah. so. I think what you uh, Justin just said about the um, how System of a Down used that popularity of that mm -hmm. that sound yeah. bounce like yeah. Deftones did that in their own way. They, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could. Yeah. Deftones all another conversation. But yeah, we'll have System to get of a Down, yeah. one of those new metal adjacent bands that gives some credibility to that whole era. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't listened to this one for a while, we're just here to remind you. You know, this is. Still a fucking solid album. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the one with the hand. Yes. Uh, this is the one with the song uh, Spiders. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's Spiders. it, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like real, kind of like brooding, melodic, more so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. They're interesting bands, man. Okay, man, you guys said, uh, Will, is where's the grindcore, Will? Will, we want you to recommend some grindcore on the podcast. Where's that at, Will? They said I was losing my touch. They were starting to call me they were they were starting to call me the stoner doom guy or some shit out there. Are you getting soft on us, Will? No, no, no. Listen. Right now I'm trying to talk about War Criminal Views, the classic album by German grindcore band Nyktophobic, I believe it's pronounced. It's N-Y-C-T-O-Phobic. Nyktophobic is how I've always pronounced it. Uh, it came out on Morbid Records uh, in 96. Morbid Records, classic grindcore label, home to uh, Hemorrhage, Dead Infection, a lot of bands over the years, Blood. Um, you could just, just type in Morbid Records, you could go down that wormhole. But this is an awesome album. Um, it's funny because you brought up that system of a down album. This is also a lot of political and social commentary. But I like the way they did it on this album. They had like samples in a lot of songs or in, uh, in the intro and outro to a lot of songs uh, from like real news clips, real newscasters. I, I guess mainly like a lot of American um uh, news clips because a lot of them are in English. And what year did this come out again? Ninety six. See, it's a lot harder to get those news clips back then too, so they had to put in some yes, time. Yes, you know? absolutely. No YouTube for that joint, man. Yeah. And um, this is just they they have Nyktophobic has uh, a lot of releases. Um, I believe this was their first of two albums, uh, but they they had a lot of like splits and EPs as grindcore bands do. I'm not as up on everything. I'm not going to say I'm the Nyktophobic expert. But uh, my boy Adam again. I got like, look. I'm not trying to like pump Adam up every single recommendation, but it's the truth. He dubbed this album for me on tape many years ago, and I had to buy the CD because I liked it so much. This is brutal grindcore, and my favorite like 
I, you know, there was like, you know, you had your power violence, which was like the spaz slap a ham record thing. You had your gore grind. You had your traditional grindcore. And traditional grindcore to me is this, but my favorite type of traditional grindcore is the traditional grindcore that borders on gore grind. Because the guitar tone is so brutal and the vocals use pitch shifter elements. Squash Bowl is another band. I don't, you know, I've always had this inner conflict. You know, I stay up late at night. Is Squash Bowl a grindcore band or a gore grind band? I go back and forth. They've had certain albums where I could call it either way. Nyctophobic is one of those bands where it's grindcore. Um, they don't do the gore thing. They do the social and political commentary thing a lot more. But listen to those beautiful pitch shifter vocals. Uh, you know, this is just... Good mix. I really like these drums. That uh, you know, this song started with that bass tone. Ooh, yeah, man. Again, tones, production, mix, drums. Um, uh, this is my. Fa I heard they, they have a, a second album, Insects. It's called that came out several years later. I didn't think it held up to this album in particular. I don't think a lot of grindcore albums hold up to this uh, War Criminal Views album by Nyctophobic. This is like one of those ones that's up there, man. And it's uh, underrated, I believe, man. Not 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 as credited as, as it should be, you know. If you like your extreme noise terror, your napalm death, you know, whatever, man. You know, this is this is that '90s kind of next generation of it, man. And they were doing it, you know. Yeah, this is new for me, and I'm really enjoying this. And again, um, you know, you can hear the background, man. You know, you can go check this out yourself. But these intros and outros really add a lot of atmosphere to the album, man, because it's like. It's not like Mortician where they're super long, but the, you know you have the shorter grindcore songs with a little intro and outro, and it's just enough to keep your attention span going, you know. Mm -hmm. In a way, typical of where gore grind and grindcore was in the late '90s, but uh, this this just excels uh, in my in my heart over a lot of uh, a lot of bands, you know. Even 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 today, man, it's just something some magic that came together in the production, recording, and writing of this album, you know. We have to see. We have to know. So thanks again to our guest tonight, uh, Ethan McCarthy, um, best known perhaps uh, from Primitive Man and uh, many other projects that we covered tonight. Um, we just wish him the best and his bands the best in their future endeavors going forward, man. Great to talk to that guy and find out some of the, uh, you know, the inner workings and uh, some of the things going on with his other projects, man. N nice guy too, man. Yeah, pleasure uh, to talk to. And I'm gonna, I gotta check out some, some of those uh, the rappers he, he recommended, man. I'm not up on the modern hip hop, man. I gotta get into that more, man. That's my New Year's resolution, man. So, uh, uh, Justin, you came through with some shimmering uh, recommendations tonight. Couple of nice new people out there, man. You know, uh, I love both of those. The kids bands. are coming out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom talks system of a down. It was fun. Yeah, we we did it. Um, and I brought you two. Uh, I curated two of my most uh, fine specimens 
of what I call high school grindcore. Grindcore from those magical years when I was first getting into it all, man, and um, listening to this stuff religiously, man, uh, because I didn't have uh, adult things to worry about yet in life. So uh, there's your grindcore recommendations, too, just for the... Um, uh, the people on Facebook uh, for the Heavy Hole Podcast Facebook out there, yeah, that were uh, that were complaining. No, I'm just I'm just playing, man. I, I asked for I I asked for it. I said, what do you guys want more of? People said grind corn gore grind, man. So we brought you brought you a lot of that, um, and we brought you Ethan from Primitive Man. So thanks to him again, man. Uh, now, if you want to bring us comments, feedback, any of that sort of thing, we're on Facebook as I just uh, explained. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. You can find us. It's the Heavy Hole Podcast. Reach out. We're yeah, just people like you. We also got the Heavy Hole Podcast at gmail.com for the email. But what we really want you to do, if you do anything, is pick up that phone, just like many of our guests do, and call us. What's yeah. that number, Tom? 631-837-3274. Mm-hmm. The, the dog just farted, and I had my shirt up over my entire head. <laughs> what What's that number again? I didn't hear you. Uh, 631-837-3274. 3274. Funny story. When I uh, was renting a car this week, I gave them that number by accident. <laughs> maybe they'll call up. We'll yeah, play it on the podcast there. if they call up. Hi, this is Enterprise. Uh, you owe us a billion. Oh, man. And uh, by the way, guys, I'm just playing. That wasn't the dog. I farted, all right? Heavy whole podcast. Peace out. Yeah. Our other number is one. <laughs>